When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome in to the second episode in just three days of the Jin Jag podcast. We're on a short week here. Obviously, the Jaguars are taking on the Dolphins tomorrow night, Thursday night. We're recording September 23rd. It's 4.47 p.m. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by Jeremy Markoski. As I just mentioned, one sleep away from the Jaguars taking on the Dolphins at home in the friendly confines of TIAA Bank Field on Thursday night football at 8.20 p.m. It's a nationally televised game. How are we feeling, Jeremy? Feeling good. I'm excited. Like you said, two episodes in three days. I hope you guys aren't getting too sick of listening to us yet. Uh, but I'm very excited for a very winnable game tomorrow night here at the bank. Yeah, both teams coming off narrow three-point defeats in week two. Jaguars are 1-1 one one on the season, while the Dolphins are 0-2. The Jaguars are favored by three in this one. We'll dive deep into this matchup and give some bold predictions at the end of the show, of course, including final score predictions. like to give a big shout-out to Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at their downtown location on East Bay Street and at their original tap room in Riverside over on Roselle. Make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. So we are fired up for this matchup. Should be a lot of fun. Jaguars are going to get to show the world what they all are all about this year. Hopefully the world gets to see what we've kind of seen in the first two weeks. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Unfortunately, dealt some bad injury news on Wednesday afternoon. Brandon Linder, he's missed practice all week with a knee injury. He left the game in the third quarter, I believe, against the um, against the Titans on Sunday. So figured that he probably wasn't going to play. He is day-to-day. He's not going to IR. Uh, so Tyler Shatley will obviously fill in for him. But uh, Josh Lambeau, he has a left hip injury, and he's been ruled out. He's been placed on injured reserve, so he'll be out for at least three weeks. Uh, Very unfortunate news there for the Jaguars' kicking situation. Brandon Wright, who has never kicked in the NFL, undrafted free agent for the Jaguars in 2018, he'll be the place kicker. And Tyler Shatley, like I mentioned, he'll be the starting center. Uh, DJ Chark is also questionable for this one with a chest injury that he suffered on the deep ball that he caught in double coverage against the Titans. 
What are we thinking about these injuries, Jeremy? Definitely going to be some tough blows. I mean, obviously, Linder is, you know, your guy on the offensive line. You know, he's the quarterback of that group. Having your center out, you know, is really going to give the defense a chance to really find a weakness. So I hope that Tyler Shatley can come in and fill in. And and he did well. Um, I didn't see anything from him that really showed me otherwise on Sunday. Uh, But still, it's a place for the defense to attack. And then Lambeau, obviously, a big blow. You know, again, that's your guy on special teams. And we've talked about how consistent the Jaguars special teams has been, you know, throughout the last three or four years. And I mean, Sunday, you obviously saw that was one of their worst special team performances in a long time. So it's going to be interesting to see how they can keep the special teams game tight, uh, you know, and keep them playing well with, with Lambeau out. Um, and DJ Chark, you kind of saw him wince on that deep ball, uh, you know, kind of huddled over there for a second, looked like maybe he landed on the ball, kind of funny. That chest injury is going to be something to keep an eye on because he's obviously a big key part of the offense. And, you know, bringing him out is going to put a lot of pressure on some of those rookies, some of those younger guys, to have to step up and make a lot of plays early. Yeah, my guess is that he'll go. I don't know how heavily he'll be featured in the offense, but my guess is he'll go. That's just kind of a a hunch I have. It's not based off anything, but – uh the fact that he's questionable makes me think they'll trot him out there and at least try to draw some attention away from the other receivers. Now for the Dolphins, Byron Jones, their starting cornerback, he is out. And uh, he was a big money free agent this offseason. Obviously was key to what they're trying to do defensively. He was uh, you know, supposed to be there. Stephon Gilmore, you know, Brian Flores, he comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. So he was trying to get his Stephon Gilmore and Byron Jones. Not going to happen for them this week. He has an Achilles and groin injury going on. I don't know if those are related or that's two separate things happening, but um, you would think it's obviously two separate things. So that'll be good for the Jaguars receivers and the Jaguars passing game for sure. They're going to be also out without a, a backup safety. Forget the name of it, the name of that safety, but um that shouldn't impact the game too much, but obviously Byron Jones being out really helps the Jaguars passing attack. And, you know, talking about the passing attack, let's go ahead and get into it. Jags offense versus the Dolphins defense. We're going to kind of break down this matchup here. The Jaguars offense has been rolling, averaging 28 and a half points per game through two weeks. They've been awesome moving the ball up and down the field. And they've just been fantastic in the red zone. Stark contrast from what you've seen recently from them in the red zone. So that's been very encouraging development. Yeah, the the offense has obviously gotten off to a blazing start early, like you said. And before the season, we really talked about the red zone efficiency and how much that is going to help this team if they can improve that number, and they have. And you can see how much it's helped us. Obviously, we're one win in and, and you know a three-point loss. Uh, so you know, things have been really, really good so far. And this is the second week in a row that you're going to see a big time number one uh, defensive back for a team listed on the injury report. So the Jaguars are going to need to take advantage of that in the past game. They didn't necessarily do much of that last week against the Titans, but this is going to be a much more important situation for them to actually take full advantage of Byron Jones missing and start spreading the ball around. Hopefully you can get uh, some of their young corners in mismatches with DJ Chark and some of these faster guys and really go at them early. Uh, And then, you know, along the front seven, we was talking about this before we started recording 
I didn't really see anybody on that front seven. Obviously, that you know they signed Kyle Vanoy in the off season, and he's probably their best guy upon that front seven. I didn't really see anybody that stands out as a true game wrecker. So the Jaguars' offense should have their way against the Dolphins' defense. Yeah, we mentioned, or you mentioned just now, how they should be able to get it going through the air. From the ground game perspective, they've also had it going pretty good outside of a slow second half against the um, Colts in week one. But of course, they picked it up in the passing department in that second half. But James Robinson, he's been a revelation undrafted free agent. If you're listening to this show, you obviously know all about him. He is averaging over five yards per carry, picked up his first 100-yard game last week and his first touchdown last week. He has vision, acceleration through the hole, and he usually makes the first guy miss and uh, keeps churning out those tough yards. So he's been a lot of fun to watch. LaVisca Chenault, he's had a big, uh, big part in the Jaguars' rushing attack as well. He's got seven carries, I believe. He's averaging... Over seven yards a carry, I think. And he's a guy that they'll mix in there, a wildcat at running back, and get him some carries to keep the defense off balance. And also just because you want to get the ball in his hands, he always looks special when he's carrying the ball. The key word you said there was unbalanced. You want to get the ball into the hands of all your playmakers, obviously every play, whenever you can. But the key word is 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 unbalanced, and you're gonna have to do some things to keep those young corners from getting comfortable back there. A lot of play action, a lot of shifting motion, stuff like that, make them move around. But that play action is really going to make them, you know, hold true to their assignment. So hopefully, you get the run going early as well, and that can kind of complement that play action game. Yeah, definitely. I'm thinking the Jaguars should come out and run the ball early. That's what both teams have done. Uh, the Patriots and the Bills against the Dolphins so far, and they've done it with success. Honestly, I think Devin Singletary and James Robinson, they kind of remind me of each other a little bit. Singletary is obviously a good bit smaller in terms of uh, physicality than Robinson, but and he has probably more lateral agility. But they're both excellent through the hole and at making the first guy miss. And I think Robinson should be able to do that you know early and often and the Dolphins defense didn't really look like they wanted to tackle Devin Singletary early in the game Zach Moss had some success as well and the Patriots they really ran all over the uh, Dolphins in week one so getting James Robinson going will be important and I think they'll be able to do that it's going to be the key. And, you know, James Robinson, I think, is, is a perfect mix between that Devin Singletary and Zach Moss kind of guy. He brings a little bit more size than Singletary and a little bit more agility than Zach Moss. But he's got a little bit more size to kind of go with those DBs. And I do like the way that he's been in and out of the holes early and quickly. And, and he's got that speed as well. So, you know, if he can bring a few tackles and get to that second level, you know, watch out. He might take off. Yeah, talking about the passing game again. If DJ Chark's out there, great. If not, you've still got LaVisca, Keelan, Chris Conley, and uh, you've got your tight ends as well who should be able to uh, win some one-on-one matchups against this Dolphins defense that likes to run a lot of man-to-man. So I think you should be able to see O'Shaughnessy and Tyler Eifert do pretty well out there against these linebackers and safeties. And... um, in terms of what the Dolphins have been showing, Xavier Howard is a guy who kind of has burst onto the scene 
the last couple of years, but to start this season, he has not been playing as well. And then they also have one of their top picks, Noah Igbenogany, the cornerback from Auburn, who is not playing very well. He's super raw, super talented, super athletic, but his rawness has really shown up on tape over the first couple of weeks. Absolutely. And those are, you know, weaknesses that you need to attack and attack them quickly and kind of go after those young corners. Uh, you know, and a lot of this is going to be predicated on the pass game. I think that's, you know, we keep going back to it. It's going to be the key. And I think something that the Jaguars have done really well early on has been able to spread the ball around. And I think obviously, you know, coming into the season, it was very evident that DJ Tark was going to be the guy in the pass game. But the Jaguars have, you know, been able to kind of turn that narrative. And so people have to respect a lot more guys on this offense than they had planned to in the past. I think that's also going to put them in a good position. Yeah. And uh, like I mentioned, these Dolphins run a lot of man-to-man, so you should be able to take some deep shots uh, against these guys. And they also, you know, Ryan Flores comes from the same uh, background as Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. So they're going to do some exotic blitz stuff as well. They haven't been getting home on a lot of that stuff, but I do think the Titans was kind of a perfect warm-up game for the Dolphins because the Titans are a better version of what the Dolphins are going to try to do to you. So unless the Dolphins have some drastically different looks, which would be really tough to install on such a short week, I don't see them slowing down the Jaguars' offense a whole lot. I don't either, and I think this is a time – uh, you know, in the season and a game where you can prove to everyone that you are going to be a contender, you know, in, in the sense that, you know, people can't just walk over you every week. I know we're not contending for playoffs yet, or we're not even close to that point in the season, but prove to people that you're not just going to be, you know, a brush under the rug, you know, type of team that you're going to fight week in and week out. And a lot of times we see the Jaguars, you know, win games they're not necessarily supposed to once or twice a year and then lose a bunch of games that they're supposed to win. I think this game right here, uh, you know, is an early one that we can look at right now and say, if you were good enough to beat the Colts, you're good enough to beat the Dolphins. So you need to beat the Dolphins. Yeah, Jaguars being favored by three absolutely need to win this game. But if you look at it on the other hand, Dolphins fans and even Dolphins writers, I saw Joe Shad talking about how the Dolphins are a more talented team than the Jaguars. I don't see that on paper. I don't see that on what I've seen on on the field over the first two weeks. But the Dolphins also think they should win this game. They're going to try their damnedest to win it. We'll see if they can make it competitive against this Jaguars high-flying offense. Uh, Do you see the Dolphins as a team that has as much talent as the Jaguars? I don't at all. I mean, of course they're going to try to win it. And what could you expect historically from the Jaguars? I mean, let's be honest. Every team thinks that, you know, until the Jaguars prove otherwise, we're just a pushover. And that's obvious, and and, and that's throughout the league. So that's just, I think, exactly what this is. Of course, they're going to look at it and say, yeah, they might have won a game, you know, and competed in another one. But historically, the Jaguars are just not a team that's, you know, that's very talented. So they're just drawing on the pass. But I think, again, like I'm saying, this is that game where you change that narrative. You beat the crap out of the Dolphins on Thursday on live TV so everyone can see it. And you let everybody know that you're going to be, you know, a thorn in the side all year long. Yeah. Is there uh, any any other matchups you want to check out? Offense, Jags offense versus the Dolphins defense before we move on to the uh, opposite side of the ball? 
I mean, the offensive line is definitely going to be key in this game as well uh, because I feel like they are the superior uh, skill group, you know, comparably to the Dolphins' defensive line. So keep Gardner Minshew off the ground uh, and make some holes for the running back. That's really all there is to it. Yeah, one guy to worry about up front for the Dolphins, not so much from a pass rush perspective, but in terms of stopping the run, is Christian Wilkins. A lot of you may remember him from his time at Clemson, where he was just one of the best players in college football. He's an excellent run defender, but he can't do it all by himself. Absolutely. I mean, he's a big guy up in the middle. He's always been stout, but like you said, can't do it himself. So if you have to win double teams, win double teams, just make sure you get to the second level. Yeah. Now, before we talk about Jags defense versus Dolphins offense, just want to remind everyone to check out genjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news, analysis, videos, and of course, check out our shop. We've got a ton of fun merch up there. Again, that's genjag.com. All right. I think this is the much more compelling side of the ball because the Jags defense has struggled a bit. They did hold Phillip Rivers and the Colts to 20 points in week one. But last week, they really struggled to stop Ryan Tannehill, uh, who really just lit him up. They have been able to stop the run better than we expected. But um, where do you begin with Jags defense versus Dolphins offense? It's definitely a tough matchup and not in the way of, of, you know, their talent being much better than ours, but in the way of you don't know what team you're going to get on Sunday. So you obviously have to be prepared for them all. You want to be prepared for every possible outcome. But, you know, first you look at Fitzmagic. I mean, you can get 404 touchdowns from this guy or you can get 104 interceptions from this guy. You don't know who you're going to get. So I think that's going to be you know something to watch. If Fitzmagic comes out and he's on his game, it's going to pose uh, you know a little bit of a bigger threat to the Jaguars' defense than you would expect. But I think another key uh, matchup in this is really the running backs group for the Dolphins. Now, they don't have a guy like Derrick Henry who they're just going to lean on and can pound you and pound you and pound you all day long. You know where the ball is coming from. They have three fairly capable backs in Jordan Howard, Miles Gaskins, and Matt Breida. And they all bring something a little bit different to the table. Uh, you know, Jordan Howard's going to be, you know, your power runner. Matt Breida's going to be your guy, you know, catching balls in the backfield. Miles Gaskin is somewhere in between. But we've seen decent numbers from all three of these guys over the first two weeks. So keeping them all bottled up is going to be definitely key and in, in realizing where the matchups are, you know, with which back is in the game. Yeah, and Gaskin's really taken over the number one job. He's not getting a ton more carries, but he is getting the first carries usually. And he's been pretty impressive. Like you said, kind of a blend of both of the guys. He certainly doesn't have the long speed of Matt Breida or the power of Jordan Howard, but he has a little bit of both where he's pretty shifty. He's only 5'9", so he's one of those little guys that can get lost in the shuffle. But he packs a punch. You know, he can pop some some guys trying to make a tackle as well. So he'll be interesting to see if the Jaguars can keep him bottled up. It'll be really interesting for me to see, are the Jaguars so concerned with stopping the run as they had been in the first two weeks when they were facing guys like Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack and company over in Indy, and then obviously Derrick Henry in week two. These backs, as as effective as they have been to an extent, certainly do not pose the type of threat on a consistent basis that a Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor or Marlon Mack do. Not even close, but the way you attack them all is different. So I'm not necessarily scared of one of those guys beating us just based off pure skill. 
like you would be if Derrick Henry was back there. Um, and a lot of it comes down to coaching as well, but I'm worried about these guys, you know, not realizing the situation given the back in the backfield. So that's obviously going to be a lot on Todd Wash as well to kind of see, you know, as the Dolphins go in and out of packages and formations, who they're lining up back there. Because I think it's going to be a key a lot into, you know, what's kind of going on in the game. Uh, if you get yourself out of position, you know, with, with trying to run stop downhill and they swing it outside or throw a toss to one of the quicker guys, that could put you in some obviously uh, lackluster situations. Yeah, certainly. And from a passing standpoint, you mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. And you said he can be, uh, you know, Ryan Fitz tragic or Ryan Fitz magic. We've seen both. Only been two games this year. One of those games against the Bills, he was Ryan Fitz magic. Three touchdown passes, no interceptions, and uh, threw the ball all over the yard. Now, granted, they were attempting to come back for most of the game, but he was still pretty impressive and getting the ball out pretty quickly for the most part. And then you see what he did against the Patriots. I believe it was three interceptions, no touchdowns, and he was very ineffective. So the Jaguars are obviously going to be looking to create uh, some confusion. It'll be tough to do that against Fitzpatrick because he's so experienced, knows what you're trying to do. So to me, it'll be just guys like Josh Allen and C.J. Henderson. Those guys, Miles Jack, Joe Schobert, those guys got to win their one-on-one matchups to uh, to really slow down the Dolphins' passing attack. And then you look at some of the guys that Fitzpatrick's throwing the ball to. Mike Dusecki, he went off. He's a monstrous athlete at tight end. He had over 100 yards and a touchdown last week and eight catches. And then they've also got some talented guys like Devontae Parker and Preston Williams that can both make plays against uh, – against guys like Trey Herndon. And, you know, I don't think either of them is going to beat C.J. Henderson consistently. But you also need a guy like D.J. Hayden to step up. He hasn't had the best start to the season either. He has not. And, I mean, you do have some playmakers in the passing game as well, such as, you know, Devontae Parker, obviously a very, in my opinion, a very underrated wide receiver in this game. Uh, He's very good. And you'll have to have young corners locking him down all day. Uh, But, again, I think, you know, it's going to come down to – you know, a a complete game with them able to shut down, you know, every aspect of the Dolphins offense and, you know, keeping themselves obviously in the right position. Um, And the pass rush is going to be most key this week. I know we've harped on that the last two weeks with the lack of pass rush, but that's going to be something you have to collapse the pocket early if you want to be able to stop the pass game. Uh, You know, in the same way, you're going to need that penetration to stop the run. So it all starts up front, I think, here. Yeah, you really need Taven and Timmy Jernigan and Devon Hamilton and Avery Jones. If those guys can just get a couple pressures each, or you know, if one of them could get a few pressures and the other ones, you know, go go out and get one apiece or something like that, that would really help Josh Allen. It would really help Chase on and the rest of the guys on the edge. But another thing that would help this pass rush, and Todd Wash talked about this this week. They need to get the down and distance that they want to really get after the opposing quarterback. And how do they do that? They have to slow down the run on first and second down and get them into situations, as Todd Wash said, third and seven or longer is where he really feels like they can tee off against these uh, opposing offensive lines and opposing quarterbacks. And 
the Jaguars also need to not go down early. When teams get up early against the Jaguars, it makes it very difficult to rush the passer. Absolutely, it does. And you want to keep opposing offenses behind the sticks. You want to shrink that playbook every time so you can put yourself in a better position to kind of know what's coming, you know, and to kind of play predictive football, which, you know, it makes it a little bit more difficult if it's, you know, third and short or third and medium even. You know, can it be a draw? Could it be something, you know, behind the linebackers? You know, if we drop into cover two, you know, shorten, sh- I'm sorry, shrink that playbook, you know, and give the offense less opportunity to move the ball down the field. You can really pin your ears back as well and go after the quarterback. Yeah, and looking at the guys on the offensive line for the Dolphins that Josh Allen and the rest of the pass rush are going to need to be beating consistently. Austin Jackson's a first-round pick. He's played a little bit better than I expected. He's only given up five pressures over at left tackle. Then you've got Jesse Davis on the other side who's also given up five pressures so far. So they're not letting up too much pressure on the outside to this point. Obviously, they haven't faced a player quite like Josh Allen yet, so we'll see if he can get it going. Uh, Solomon Kinley, he's a young offensive guard that's in there. I had a big draft crush on him. He's just big and can move people, but he's probably not quite ready to dominate uh, the way the Dolphins would like at this point. But they're a very young offensive line, as the rest of their team, very young. We haven't mentioned it yet, but the Jaguars are the youngest team in football. Dolphins are second youngest. Jaguars, I believe, are 24.9 for their average age. And the Dolphins, I believe, are 25 or 25.1. So they're right there in terms of average age. This is a young offensive line, but they've been playing pretty good. Probably a lot better than many expected. Definitely better than I expected. And the Jaguars really need to bring it against these young cats and put them in their place a bit. Absolutely. You know, I, I couldn't have said it any better. And that is something that I wanted to bring up was the age. You know, the Dolphins, don't get it twisted. The Dolphins have a lot of great young talent. This team is is building for the long haul. Um, this is definitely a lengthy roster build, absolutely, you know. But the Jaguars have a lot of young, experienced talent. And I think that's going to be the difference. You know, obviously, uh, these guys that remain on the team uh, for the Jaguars and who are, who are big-time starters on defense – they had some decent amount of playing time last year as well, and they were young then. So I think experience is going to be something huge um, as well for this team. Yeah, it definitely is. And um, the Dolphins, I believe they're in like their third or fourth year of their rebuild. Uh, most Dolphins fans aren't really expecting to be competitive this year, but wanting to kind of get a playoff push going next year. Whereas the Jaguars are young. And they've rebuilt rebuilt their roster more on the fly than the Dolphins. And I do agree with you. Those young guys have more experience. And I'll just be straight up. I think the Jaguars have done a better job rebuilding the roster over the last two years with their draft picks than the Dolphins have. I mean, time will tell. I can't really say that yet. There's a lot of questions, you know, that kind of still swirl around both teams. But they obviously both have very uh, optimistic young pieces for the team. But like, you know, again, that experience, I think you have guys, you know, who have seen the field for the Jaguars. I think that's just the biggest difference is, you know, the experience is going to outweigh. Outweigh age. Oh, sorry. I lost you there for a second. <laughs> You're good. Experience yeah. is going to outweigh age here. Yeah. So uh, I agree with you there. And 
the other thing is you've got Minshew, who the Jaguars got in the sixth round. He's looking more and more like a franchise quarterback every game he goes out there. While the Dolphins, we didn't really talk about him yet. Tua is sitting on the bench just kind of waiting in the wings. Maybe we get a chance to see him this week if Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins fall early to the Jaguars. Maybe you see Tua come in halftime or you know sometime in the second half. I don't know if you'll throw a young quarterback in in the middle of a Thursday night game just because you had such a short week to prepare. Uh, I think if you're going to make that change, it's going to, to come before the game. Um, so I don't think we'll see him. I think, you know, Fitzpatrick is the guy. Fitzpatrick is the guy all the way through. I, I hope so. But, you know, either way, I'd be fine. If the, if the Jaguars, you know, get out to a big lead, I wouldn't be shocked just because I do think Tua prepared like a professional before he ever was a professional. So I think he, I think he's going to be ready to play whenever he does get his shot. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. But getting back to the Jags defense, um, is there anybody that you really want to see step up? We talked about Josh Allen. Uh, it looks like Andrew Wingard, he's going to be starting again. Do you think he has a chance to really improve on his play, or is he just going to be a liability when he's back there? He wouldn't necessarily have been the first guy that I would have picked you know, as somebody to watch, but now that you mention it, he, he's definitely going to have to improve because he was a liability early on in that game, and uh, it was very obvious. So if you give Brian Fitzpatrick some of those easy plays early on and start to build his confidence, you might turn him into Fitzmagic very early. So you know, he's got to step up and, and, and the whole defensive line. I know we want to harp on Josh Allen, but we have to, because he's the guy who is supposed to be getting us these sacks. You know, the guy who was supposed to fill the shoes of Jan and Calais. Now that we've, you know, I've gotten rid of both of them and we haven't seen it yet. So we have to see it from both of those young guys. But yeah, I think definitely Wingard is going to be the guy that you need to look too early uh, to not make too many big mistakes. Yeah. And just talking about Fitzpatrick a little bit more, what I've seen from him in the first two games is when he's doing well, he's getting the ball out very quickly and just letting his uh, offensive playmakers go up and make plays, generally in man coverage. I don't know how much the Jaguars are going to run man versus zone. They like to run a fair amount of both. A lot of zone, though, I would I would suspect to maybe try to trick um, – Ryan Fitzpatrick into making some passes that he shouldn't. We'll see how it all plays out. But yeah, if you get some pressure on Fitzy, make him hold on to the ball longer than he wants to, that is where you can really take advantage of this Dolphins young offense. That can be said for any quarterback, but especially guys like this who can just flip a switch one way or the other. I mean, it's going to be very important. Like I said you know, just a minute ago, if you give him some of those holes early on, He's going to go from Fitz tragic to Fitz magic very quickly. Yeah, and one other guy that we haven't mentioned, uh, Isaiah Ford. He has the second most wide receiver snaps in, uh, in front of Devontae Parker behind Preston Williams. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. He's caught plenty of passes for them down there, a young wide receiver, and uh, he's been playing a lot of slot for them. So he's a guy that, talk about DJ Hayden, Hayden will have his hands full against Isaiah Ford. And I'm sure that the Dolphins offense is very aware of the early season struggles for DJ Hayden. So uh, Isaiah Ford is a smaller, quicker guy in and out of his cuts very quickly. Uh, You know, he can really beat you off the ball. So 
this is going to be a good matchup for DJ Hayden. You know, if he can really kind of bottle him in, then I think, you know, we'll be all right. You got to limit the amount of people that can hurt you, uh, especially when you're playing an offense like this. Yeah, and Hayden in the past really has taken advantage of slot players that are more talented than Isaiah Ford, to be completely frank. Isaiah Ford, to this point in the season, has played better than DJ Hayden, but it would not surprise me at all to see DJ Hayden get back to where he's been at the last few years in week three and kind of shut things down at the nickel spot. He needs to be a shutdown guy. You know, you're seeing a lot of more offenses use uh, some of their best playmakers in that slot position. So the slot cornerback has evolved as, you know, as its own position over the last few years. And DJ Hayden has been one of the best. So he needs to, you know, kind of reclaim that form and shut down a good slot guy. on Isaiah Ford. Yeah. Hopefully he can do it. Cause he's a fun guy to watch and, you just you want to see him succeed because he's been really fun in terms of uh, his personality on the team. And now getting into the third phase of the game, special teams. We've talked about it. They struggled on special teams last week with a muffed punt, a muffed kick from Chris, Chris Claybrooks, a bad punt from Logan Cook that set the Titans up with great field position, and, of course, the missed PAT and squib kick uh, error from Josh Lambeau. No Lambo, is it no Lambo, no problem, or no Lambo, big problem? What do you think? I'm not sure yet, man. I, it's really going to be, you know, something that unravels right in the middle of the game. You know, it, it's always a toss up when you have unexpected things happen to your kicker, and you have to kind of get a guy in on short notice who, like I said, has been on the practice squad but doesn't have any NFL experience yet. And the Jaguars had a meltdown of epic proportions last week in the special teams phase of the game, something that they're not very accustomed to. So it's going to be important that they bounce back. I don't need anything crazy, flashy, showy. You know, I don't need them to to come back huge with a couple of returns and, you know, coffin corners by Logan Cook, but I need them to execute properly and, and, you know, and, and not make those silly mistakes to set up your team in bad situations. You know, if you have to fair catch, fair catch, make sure you catch that ball. You know, and let's make sure every kick comes off well, and, and it's going to be key, especially if you're if you get into the game of flipping field, you need to have the better of the two guys. Yeah, whoever's going to be back there returning kicks and punts needs to just at least catch the ball at the very least. We know Clay Brooks is explosive. Uh, Marone mentioned that he hadn't really seen any muffs from him prior to what happened last week, and Marone mentioned that he was still confident in Clay Brooks. So we'll see who they have back there. Uh, if it's Clay Brooks, hopefully he can get the job done. But I do want to see a lot more from Logan Cook if the Jaguars are being forced to punt the ball. He's a guy that needs to be pinning opposing offenses, at least inside the 20. But we've seen it plenty of times. He can get it inside the 10, inside the 5, from pretty much anywhere on the field. And I want to see that from him this week. I don't want to see a big bounce back from him. And then when you talk about kicking, I wouldn't be surprised – uh, to see a lot of two-point conversion tries and to see a lot of, uh, you know, going for it on fourth down when you're in Miami territory. I don't necessarily know if you'll see two-point conversion tries, at least, to, you know, to start the game off. If he misses a PAT, maybe. Uh, but I don't think you'll see that. I think you will see them elect to maybe go for it 
uh, you know, on fourth and second or third, if you're in the range of 50 to 55 yard field goal, and I wouldn't even uh, be too surprised if they punted it in short field situations like that as well, as long as Logan Cook's on his game. So if you get into a situation early where, you know, the kicking game is not going to be something viable for you, that is going to make it even more important that Logan Cook is on his game. Yeah, part of me wants to see the Jaguars go ultra aggressive and just be like, we are the better team. We're going to go for it on fourth down. But you see what happened to the Colts when they did that to the Jaguars. They came out and they lost the football game because they were overly aggressive on fourth down. They forced mistakes, they forced turnovers. That's exactly what the Jaguars can't do. Uh, you're bouncing back and, and you want to play well, and I do think we will play well. But if things start to not necessarily go our way, we cannot implode. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I agree with you um, about they'll probably try to see if he can get his extra points going early on if they get some early points, early touchdowns. And Brandon Wright made 96% of his extra point tries uh, in college at Georgia State. But on the other side of that, he only made 59% of his field goal attempts. He was a guy that was a punter Ooh. and kicker in college. So that is not that is not optimistic numbers for me. No, not at all. So maybe you feel good about an extra point, but kicking is so much mental too and to get a guy going out on Thursday night football primetime and asking him to come up big would be just, you know, that would be a huge leap for a guy that was on the practice squad earlier today. I mean, 59%, I didn't even realize it was that bad. I don't, he, why, I don't even know why he's on the practice squad. That's I, I trust you to go out there and hit 59%, man. Come on now. That's a <laughs> little of a stretch. That. That's a little of a stretch. I mean, it definitely does not leave you in a place of optimism. That is for sure. Yeah, and Marone talked about being confident in him. Of course, he'll always say he's confident in his players, but like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see quite a bit of uh, going forward on fourth down. Not necessarily because they feel like, you know, we're just going to impose our will, but out of necessity. Yeah, it might make the game a little more interesting. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. And uh, if he does struggle with the mental part of it and misses an extra point or two, that's when I think you'll see those two-point conversions come into play. Now, before we get into our final analysis and bold predictions, we got to get into fantasy talk here. All right? This is what the people are here for. Stardom, sit them. Jaguars, Dolphins. Um, let's start out on the Dolphins side of the ball. Take a look at some of these guys. Mike Jasicki, tight end. Like I said, he went off last week. If he was in your starting lineup, you were very pleased. Over 100 yards, a touchdown, eight catches. Is he a starter sit this week? I think if there's anybody on the Dolphins offense that you can look to and say he's a pretty safe start, I think it's going to be Mike Gesicki. Uh The Jaguars don't always uh, play that well against opposing tight ends. Um, I think that the matchup is, is crucial, so I'm not necessarily saying that Mike Gesicki will carve out you know his, his way in the Jaguars' defense, but if there was somebody on the Dolphins' side of the ball that was a safe play, it's probably Gesicki. I'd start him. Yeah, I think he's the safest play, and if he's on your roster, you're probably starting him. Um, you never know what the Jaguars are going to do. You see sometimes like like Jack Doyle barely did anything against them. Of course, he's not the physical talent that a Jonu Smith from the Titans or a Mike Jasicki is, but uh, 
we'll see how it goes. He's definitely been making a lot of impressive uh, 50-50 catches this year and really showed out last week. But, yeah, you got to get Jasicki in your starting lineup if you've got him. I'm not a huge proponent of him season long, but this week he's definitely a start, and uh, you'll you'll see – what he does this week to make your assessments moving forward, obviously. Dolphins running backs, like we mentioned, you've got a crowded backfield with Gaskin, Brita, and Jordan Howard. Are you inserting any of them into your your fantasy lineup? Well, there was a rash of running back injuries last week. So, you know, the first thing I would have done was looked at the waiver wire. Uh, if you were able to pick up Devontae Freeman, I think you're in a good spot. But if you were not and you're left – you know, scouring somebody to potentially throw into a flex or running back spot if you are marred by one of those injuries. The guy I would look towards in that backfield is Miles Gaskins. And he led the team in total touches from the backfield last week uh, and really showed his ability to run and catch the ball. I think it adds a little bit uh, more uh, unknown to the Dolphins' offense, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, defensive coordinators are not going to be able to really kind of, you know, pin one way or another on, you know, what they're doing with him in the backfield. And it's going to give them some opportunities to make some plays. So I think anybody in that backfield, Miles Gaskin is the ones to go with. Yeah, I would go with him too if I had to. But if you're down to starting one of these guys this week, not very exciting. The Jaguars, they haven't given up a ton of rushing yards so far. So not the best proposition from uh, from my vantage point there. Now the receivers, that'll be interesting. The Jaguars have been giving up a lot of yardage through the air and some uh, passing touchdowns. You got Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Isaiah Ford. Which one of these guys are you rolling with if you have to? If I have to, obviously the easy word, or the easy name to pull out is, is Devontae Parker. Uh, you know, he's been their go-to guy uh, since Jarvis has left, and and he hasn't really shied away from that. He's been great. Uh, but again, I don't think I would want to start anybody uh, from this Dolphins receiving core, for being honest. Yeah, the thing about Parker is he's matched up with C.J. Henderson, probably, and C.J. Henderson's been shutting down a lot of guys. Of course, Corey Davis got a touchdown against him last week, but he didn't do much other than that. And T.Y. Hilton did very little against cj henderson so parker it's a tough matchup i might be looking at preston williams or isaiah ford if i had to in a flex but they're all sits for me it's definitely boomer bust when it comes to Devontae yeah. parker yeah i think it will be for all three of those guys you're not going to probably be happy with their performance unless they get into the end zone absolutely so now switching sides of the ball talk about the good guys Minshew. i'm going to start with him He's a start this week, big time. He's been putting up huge numbers. Uh, the Dolphins secondary, no Byron Jones. Excellent matchup for Gardner Minshew. I think he is a definite start. He's really inching his way towards, uh, you know, the very tip top of of quarterback two and in the very bottom tier of QE one. And I think with one more stellar performance, he'll knock himself right up into the middle of that QB one ranking. And I think you know teams who drafted him late essentially as a backup are really going to reap the benefits of somebody that maybe they drafted a little bit earlier, especially if you weren't in that elite group of quarterbacks. Maybe you fell back and got, 
you know, a Ben Roethlisberger or a Philip Rivers, you know, or Jared Goff, something like that. Well, Minshew's outplaying all of them, and he's probably your best bet going forward, uh, especially, you know, with guys who maybe they had Drew Locke or, you know, one of the other quarterbacks who are having some injury issues. Minshew's a definite start in any of those situations, and, you know, he has the chance to really show out against his Dolphins defense. Yeah, speaking of another guy who would have definitely been a late-round pick if he was picked at all in your league, James Robinson, Jaguars running back. He's been a fantasy just uh, home run considering where you got him and the type of production you're getting. Is he in your starting lineup this week? He is. I've actually picked him up in quite a few leagues, um, and I've got him as a, a running back to uh, or a flex player. Uh, same thing. Running backs have been decimated by injuries uh, you know, so far this year. So he's going to be a guy who's going to continue to see consistent carries, consistent looks out of the backfield in PPR leagues, uh, you know, and, and he just surpassed his first 100-yard game last week. So he's on the rise. He's getting better every week, uh, you know, and if you've got an open hole like I did, you know, he's a guy you definitely want to play this week. Yeah, the Dolphins' run defense has been shaky at best. They've given up 160 yards a game. They did give up only 111 yards last week, but it was kind of a shootout. Josh Allen was throwing the ball a lot. The uh, Bills still averaged 4.8 yards per carry in that one, I believe. So James Robinson is a big-time start, whether it's an RB2 or flex. He should be in your lineup if he's on your roster, unless you're just stacked yeah he's definitely the guy to start in this matchup i know that we had to talk about the backfield for the dolphins but if you've got to play one person from this game on either side it has to be james robinson yeah now getting into the jags receivers if dj chark plays i'm still not that confident just because i think he could be a decoy kind of similar to what you saw from julio jones last week what do you think on chark well, if Chark is really hurt, he should not play. So I don't want to leave it up to speculation come Sunday. Uh, you know, if, if he's a game-time decision and I don't have a chance to pull him out, you know, and he does sit, that's going to ruin a lot of fantasy uh, managers' it's, weeks. it's Thursday, too, so you got to make the decision early Exactly. On so I'm going to sit DJ Chark this week, um, not just because of the injury, but also because I haven't really seen any stellar performances out of him yet. If there is something that I'm going to look at or someone – rather, that I'm going to look at from this group. It's actually going to be LaVisca Chenault. Uh, he'd be somebody that I'd be confident uh, in playing just because of the injury uh, to DJ Tark. If anybody's going to pick up some slack in the past game, I think it will be Chenault. And there's always a chance that he picks up two or three uh, you know, points worth of, of rush yardage and maybe even a touchdown on the goal line uh, you know, from the backfield or from the slot. So I think LaVisca is a great play this week as well. I do too. I like LaVisca just because of the steady workload. I also really like Keelan Cole. He's a guy that's gone under the radar, but he's scored in both games. He's had five catches in both games. He's getting plenty of yardage for you with those touchdowns. Uh, He's a guy that maybe he's a little bit touchdown dependent in terms of having a real boom week. But uh, I wouldn't be too scared to start Keelan Cole if I was in a pinch. He's definitely boomer bust. You know, he's definitely touchdown dependent. But I think so far he hasn't really given you a reason not to trust him. So if you've got question marks, he's not as dynamic as LaVisca, but I could see reasoning to start him. Yeah, no, I would definitely rather have LaVisca in my lineup than Cole. I think you can confidently put Visca in there. But this is another good matchup for the Jaguars passing attack. 
I think Cole is a fairly safe play and he'll at least have a floor for you probably. Especially if you're in like a deeper 12 man league or maybe even in an expanded rosters league, you know, then you might want to look at a guy like Keelan Cole. Yeah, I'm with you. Jack's tight ends. I don't think they've given you any reason to really be trying to roster them or much less put them in your starting lineup. No, there's not really anybody else on the offensive side of the ball that I can really argue to start. If we see some more consistency out of Tyler Arford now that he looks to be settling in with Minshew a little bit better and kind of finding his role in the offense, then we can look at it at that point. But again, not enough volume yet to really consider them for a roster spot. Yeah, he could be a sneaky play um, because he was targeted three times in the end zone last week, only came down with one of them. But, you know, if he's targeted three times in the end zone again this week, there's a good chance he'll come down with more than one of them. All you need is uh, one out of three. That's true. At the tight end spot, if he comes down with a touchdown, you're going to be pretty pleased. Still, I think it's a risky proposition. And if you're even in like a 12 or 14 team league, there's probably better guys available. Most likely. Now, that's going to wrap up Stardom Sidem. We'll get into our final analysis here and then our bold predictions, of course. So for me, the only way the Jaguars are going to lose this game is if they get down big early due to penalties or turnovers, which is exactly what they have done in the first two games. But they should be able to overcome that against this Dolphins team. But if the Dolphins get that lead that I'm talking about and Brian Flores gets aggressive, that could potentially lead to more turnovers if you make a mistake. It could lead to more penalties. So it would really have to be a complete offensive meltdown, in my opinion, for the Jaguars to not get close to or eclipse 30 points in this one. So like I said, you just can't have a complete meltdown and you're going to be comfortable in this game, in my opinion. I think so too. And I mean, if you want to prove to everybody that you are a good football team, you have to do what good football teams do. And what do they do? They go into games that they're supposed to win and they don't waver. You know, they don't play around with this, oh, let's get ourselves in a bad situation early and have to come back and win. Let's, you know, make some mistakes, shoot ourselves in the foot with penalties, you know, and have to, you know, come down to stops. Let's, you know, they control the game. So that's what you need to do. You need to go in Thursday night against the Dolphins, play good team football, not turn the ball over, not shoot yourself in the foot penalties, and do things that good football teams do. You know, and, and that's something that we haven't seen in the past. And that's going to be the biggest thing on Thursday night. Yeah, it would be so odd to see that just a game where the Jaguars take control early and never relinquish control. I don't think they did that outside of maybe the Jets game last year with Gardner Minshew. I think they were leading that whole game and just kind of had control of it. But, you know, his other wins, the Dolphins, excuse me, not the Dolphins, the um, Bengals, that was a game up until very late in the game and the Jaguars were having a battle with them. You got the Raiders, the Jaguars were trailing a lot of that game. Uh, the Colts game, the Jaguars were trailing at the half, I believe, but then they come out and just smoke them in the second half at the end of the season. So, like I said, you just haven't seen it uh, in the last couple of years from the Jaguars in terms of just coming out, controlling a game, and just having a conventional win. 
Exactly, and that's what good teams do, and that's how you earn the benefit of the doubt. You know, if this was the Seahawks or the Packers or you know one of those established teams with established quarterbacks who win consistently, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt every time. You know, they might come up short every now and then. You know, but that seems to be way too often. You know, when you're the Jaguars, that you come out on the wrong side of a game that you should win. So, time to take a step up into the next league. You know, really cement yourself as a good team. This is what you have to do. You're absolutely right about that, and uh, we'll see if they can do it. Before we get into our score prediction, let's do our bold predictions for offense and defense. You want to kick us off on offense? I'll kick it off, man. I expect Gardner Minshew to have an absolute hellraiser of a game. I think he should go up and down the field against this Dolphin defense. I think he gets hot early, and I think they do control the game. I think he carves up a very young secondary. I think the offensive line continues to play well and doesn't allow a lot of pressure on Gardner Minshew. I expect over 300 yards and three more touchdowns. Uh, Might turn the ball over once. I think they're going to come out and be aggressive, and I think if they do get up 21-7, you know, that, that they don't take the foot off the gas. So I want them to come out and dominate this game from start to finish. And I think Gardner Minshew on offense really takes control of the reins. Yeah, I like that prediction. I was going to roll with DJ Chark if he was a little bit more healthy, but since his you know game status is up in the air with the questionable designation, I'm going to, instead of tripling down on DJ... <laughs> I'm going to go with James Robinson to get another 100-yard game and a score in this one. Back-to-back 100-yard weeks, huh? Yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I think he can do it because I think you know the Jaguars, when it comes to running the ball, they're giving it to James Robinson almost exclusively outside of the few runs you've seen from LaVisca Chenault. Definitely. I think he has a chance to really, again, against a weaker Dolphins defense, you know, carve out a name for himself. Yeah. Now, defense, what do we got? I think you're going to need to see a huge performance from the defensive line, and I hope that we can finally get that from Josh Allen and, and Caleb on chase on. I think between them both, I think we see three combined sacks. Uh, I'm going to say two for Josh Allen and one for chase on. All right, nice. So that's going back to your your game one prediction and my game two prediction, and I was actually going to roll with Allen on his – Two sacks again, but... uh, We need these guys to step up. It's crucial. Yeah, they've really got to step up. I'm with you now. Since I'm not going to go with Allen, thinking on the fly here, how about a Miles Jack turnover? We need to force more turnovers. That's something that, you know, after week one, really didn't see a lot of that. I think, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers really put his team in in some sticky situations there towards the end. Uh, So... You know, I don't necessarily, you know, know if those were forced turnovers per se, you know, in, in the grand scheme of terms, but I would like to see some forced turnovers. Mile Jack, go in there, get a strip. Uh, you know, can we get maybe a strip sack on the quarterback from Josh Allen? Uh, something like that. Let's force some turnovers. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about it much, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a guy, we had, we did mention that he'll throw the interceptions, but um, even last week when he didn't have a turnover, he still had some plays where, the other team got their hands on the ball and just couldn't secure it. So I do think that you're going to see a at least a turnover or two from the Jaguars defense here. And I think Miles Jack is going to get a turnover, whether it be a interception, forced fumble, or fumble recovery. I think he's going to force a turnover. 
Yeah, that would really be a great momentum swing in the game, you know, especially if you score early and they look like they might be driving. Forcing a turnover could really throw a cog in their whole defensive game plan. So it would definitely be uh, important to see. Yeah, and I'm just so stoked on Miles Jack right now. I'm not sure if you saw it, but just before we recorded, uh, he was meeting with the media and he said... (laughs) And excuse my language, we don't normally cuss too much on this podcast here. But he said he completely came out and shit the bed last year at middle linebacker. And he said he was so stoked and so excited uh, and just embraced the move to weak side linebacker as soon as he heard about it. And then when they went out and got Joe Schobert, he was even more excited about it because he said they're really working in tandem. And you see that. And it's just cool for him to be in a in the right position now. Yeah, definitely puts him in a in a much better position to succeed. And you know, I don't think that's anything, you know, bad that he could come out and acknowledge that like, you know, I wasn't in the best position and I understand that. So, it's good to see him excited about where he's at again, you know, hopefully that will directly translate to his play and obviously for the first 2 weeks it looks like it has. Yeah, certainly has. And um gosh, I'm just so excited to see him play again. He's been He's been every bit of the top 10 pick that he was supposed to be prior to that, uh, you know, knee report coming out. Um, And then, of course, he fell to the Jaguars in the second round. But through two games in 2019, excuse me, 2020, he's playing at the position that he's supposed to be playing at. And he is really paying dividends. Yeah, he's he's not doing anything crazy, but he's making all the plays that he's supposed to be making, and I think that's been great. I think those you know t- those turnovers, those game changing plays will come because he gets himself in the right position to make plays consistently. So there's no need to push it. You know, I think as important as it is each week to take what's given, I think this week it's even more important because, like you mentioned on a little bit ago, with Brian Fitzpatrick and his ability to give you so many chances to take the ball away. I think you have to capitalize on each and every single one. Take what they give you. You're going to have to get every single one this week. Yeah, and Jack has been good at doing that in the past. So um, let's go ahead and do it. Final score predictions. You want to start first, or would you like me to lead off? I can go ahead and go. I mean, I don't know. I'm very excited about this game. I think we have the chance to really... Uh, you know, make a mark on national TV. The last few Thursday night games have not gone in our favor. Uh, just in well, historically, they haven't been year, the greatest show. Yeah, last year they did go and get that W against the Titans in week three, though. Historically speaking, the Jaguars have been an absolute snooze fest on Thursday night football, and people aren't super privy on watching our games. We're going to change that. I think the Jaguars win big 38-10. 38-10. God, I love that prediction. Jaguars so they're getting... scoring a lot. They have a chance against probably the worst defense they've played this year. I think they keep on rolling. I mean, it's definitely the worst defense they've played this year. But, I, yeah, think... I mean, there's, there's no argument. I'm just saying, you know, that yeah. I just I just don't see them slowing down. There's no reason for them to. And that's just how they're going to prove that they are a good team, you know, go in and and do what you're supposed to do and tear up a bad defense. And if they don't, well, then right back to square one, not knowing what the identity of this team is. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't get that dub and play well, you travel to Cincinnati and you really have no idea what will happen. So 
I also think the Jaguars offense is going to roll. I do think the Dolphins will be a little bit more effective on offense than you're getting them credit for, but not a whole lot. I have the Jaguars winning 35 to 24, but I have that 24 coming, you know, late in the fourth quarter after the Jaguars have kind of secured the game. Some garbage time stat stuffing. Exactly. Just as they did last week against the Bills, they got eight points in the final couple minutes off of a uh, touchdown drive with a with a two point conversion. I I see something like that happening for them again this week. So yeah, I have the Jaguars winning double digit win, still a good win, thirty five to twenty four, putting up a lot of points. And uh, I I just think if you lose this game for the Jaguars, you are really down in the dumps. This is such a huge game. The Jaguars haven't been favored to win a game, I believe, since 2018. And they'll need to keep that chip on their shoulder and go out and take care of business. They are more talented than the Dolphins, and they'll need to show it. If they lose this one, they'll still have a chance to get to the halfway point in the season with a winning record based on their upcoming schedule. But with the teams they face in November and December, this is pretty much a must-win if they want to compete for the playoffs. They just got to go out and prove that they're the real deal. It's one of those games we talked about that will put you in a good position for down the stretch. You have to capitalize on this for sure. And, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. You know, with that tough stretch down the road, you got to have these wins under your belt early. Yep, no doubt about it. That is going to do it for the show. Thanks to Bold City Brewery, one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag Podcast. You can check them out at boldcitybrewery.com. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff at Bold City Brewery. And of course, check out their tap room downtown on East Bay Street or in Riverside on Roselle. Enjoy Thursday night football at the bank, everyone, and have a great night, Duval. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.